Hey, Tommy. How's your hip doing? Tommy had hip surgery two weeks ago. Uh, my hip is pretty good, um, Ben. I took a video of it. It's And we're going to post me taking off my dressing. I'm going to be undressing, everybody. You can watch it. It's my wound, the incision. That's really gross, but... Oh, yeah, only I'm serious. Only look at it if you're okay with like I'm Frankenstein and Roadkill, everybody. <laughs> yeah, but I'm good. I'm doing well, Ben. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Good. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad. Well, this is part two of our interview, Nibblings, with comedian Drew Drogi. Drogi. Damn it. So, this is part two of our interview with comedian. <laughs> One more time. Go so ahead. So, this is part. <laughs> So this is part two of our interview with comedian Drew Drogi. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back, listen to the previous episode. Yes, it was great. We talked about all kinds of things. Drew's hilarious. He's a comedian. Um, he's got a bunch of one-man shows on Broadway HD, and you've heard his voice on all kinds of cartoons, Bob's Burgers, lots of things. A couple housekeeping things before we get to part two of the Drew Drogi interview. Listeners, send us your questions. This show is fueled by you guys. Also, if you're able to, uh, click the link in our description. Send us a donation. Help support the pod. And lastly, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It absolutely helps people find out about the pod. Yeah. All right. Without any further ado, enjoy part two of our interview with comedian Drew Drogi. Ask your gay uncle. 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 Ask your gay uncle, ask him all the questions that you have in your brain. Ask your gay uncle, you know that your uncle will do his very best to explain. He'll do his very best to explain. So we talk about gay representation in entertainment a lot, especially in terms of gay romantic movies. And one of the things we've touched on, which we haven't really gotten to the bottom of, and by me, by we, I mean Tommy and I. One of the things and, we've touched on. I would on. say really just Ben, but to keep going. <laughs> well, this really, I, well, you think you already, well, anyway, we haven't said the question yet, so I'll say it. <laughs> One of the things we've touched on that I think is really fascinating is in terms of gay actor representation in romantic movies, why do we love watching straight actors play gay romantic roles? And I don't want to speak for everybody. I'm not Which is why you use the word we. Yeah, the royal we. Okay. Well, sure. I mean, I think I think anybody if like put on the spot with a microphone and camera in the gay community would be like, oh no, I want to watch gay actors play gay roles. But the box office speaks for itself. Call Me By Your Name made a shit ton of money. You know? Well, Brokeback but, Mountain made a shit ton of money. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, I think that it goes back to high school. I think it goes back to your adolescence where gay men have a crush on the jock. They have a crush on the straight guy. And the dream is what if he was secretly gay? You know, that's what's happening. I think subconsciously. So when they see, you know, a straight or a closeted or whatever, a, a not out gay actor, put it that way, playing a gay role, it's sexy, you know? And I get it. I'm not going to say like, I, you know, I, I'm, I would be disingenuous to say like, I don't understand how that's appealing. It can be really hot when you're, it's like, it's a fantasy to see fill in the blank, like Jake Gyllenhaal kiss another guy. Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, but it's a problem to, we haven't seen the box office results from a gay led comedy. You know what I mean? Or gay led romantic comedy. I wish Billy Eichner all the success in the world 
for his romantic comedy that he's making right now. Mm. And, you know, he's doing a gay rom-com, you know, bridesmaids came out 10 years ago. And when that came out, they were, those women were told, you know, congrats, you made a movie. This isn't going to do anything. That movie was shut down three times before it, before it happened. Wow. And it became obviously a huge hit. And it was just like so crazy that in 2011, they were like, Oh, women can lead a romantic, uh, can lead a comedy, you know? And not like we hadn't had that before bridesmaids. There were, I mean, my God, in the eighties with, you know, all the Bette Midler, all the golden girls, golden girls. Absolutely. But we forget very quickly. Like we have golden girls happen and then we go, Oh, but uh, women of a certain age can't run a con, they can't lead a comedy. And you're going, um, hello. So I think we haven't had enough opportunities for out gay actors to prove their, their metal, you know, at the box office. And I Mm -hmm. think that's gay. That's on gay people. That's on gay executives who have their own internalized homophobia who think that it won't be accepted. Mm. You're always going to have the, the tea partiers and whatever you're, they're never going to, they're not going to watch bridesmaids. They're going to watch any of it. They're, they don't, they're not who we need to our target audience. Yeah. But I do think most people just ultimately, I think don't really care. And they'll what they, I mean, Will and Grace was a hit. That's mostly straight people. Drag race, mostly straight people. That's why it's a hit because they love drag race. They love, you know, so who's to say that they can't have a, a, a gay rom-com or a gay action film where the, the star happens to be out and the character's gay and it's a, and it's about a terrorist with a bomb and a, and a, the clock tower and has nothing, you know, it doesn't really matter that he's gay, straight, whatever. I think that that's a possibility, but it's gay people who are in positions of power that are like, Oh, no, 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 no. That won't mm. get accepted. That won't sell. The world's not ready for that. And they're not ready for that. And they've told themselves that they can't go further. They've, they've painted ceilings over their heads to say, Oh, but because I'm gay, this is as much as I can do. And that's the thing kids aren't doing. Kids now are not put, they are just like, I can do everything. I'm hmm. non-binary trans, you know, and I'm just going to tell this story and I'm going to shoot a movie on my iPhone and, and put it up and it's going to be a hit because I have a genuine authentic story to tell. So I think that's like exciting because they're, they're the, going to be the ones that are going to do it. And the rest of us are going to go, Oh, I thought we couldn't do that. <laughs> I thought that wasn't allowed. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So we had the pink ceiling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think the subtext of that fear that you're talking about that the, let's say, entertainment executives have or the fear, what makes them think, oh, American audiences won't like this. The subtext mm-hmm. is like, oh, if two gay men kiss on screen, it's just gay. But if two right. straight men kiss on screen. I know what word you're going to say. It's art. Oh, I thought you were going to say brave. Oh, and brave. Yes, exactly. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's brave. Right. Look at how hard they're Look at how hard they're acting. That must Look be this, so I know. hard for them. <laughs> That's so funny because I look at, you know, like God's Own Country, stunning film. Beautiful stunning. film. Yes. And the second the love scene started, I was like, hmm, his hand's not caressing in the way that a gay man would. They're, wow. they're straight. They're straight. You know, right. I went straight to the physical. I didn't do any. It was not hot for me at all. I like I, I'm such on the other side of this conversation. Mm. Like, I don't think it's hot at all. I'm like, fuck you for not putting on the person there who actually has had that experience. Absolutely. You know, as we're furthering the conversation about representation, 
you know, when we're casting people, you know, of ethnicities and races, yes, which I completely support. And I want to see trans people play trans characters. And I do believe that there's so much untapped talent out there. I've seen it. I know it. Like I know people mm-hmm. that, you know, that need the opportunity. It is very strange that, that gay people, it's just kind of got eclipsed. It was just sort of like, yeah, but this straight person's playing. And like, and so hmm. for people like us who like out gay actors, hmm. we don't get considered for any role w- unless it says Paul comma gay. Like if it's just like a role where the sexuality doesn't matter, we don't get considered for that. You know, unless I have a friend who thinks of me for the thing, which I'm always grateful to be like, Oh, this character is about a whole different thing, but we, we can only play gay roles and then we can't play gay roles because straight people take our parts. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of like, how do we, where do we come? I, I don't totally agree with that. Cause I, I definitely go out for a lot of roles that don't specify that they are gay. So maybe that, maybe that's a person to person thing, but. Well, I think it's about presentation then, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. There's how, how do you present? And I present, you know, it's like Drew, when you said, oh, when I walk into the room, everybody knows. And I'm like, oh, when I walk in the room, everybody knows, you know, it just is it's and Mm -hmm. then people don't know that when you walk into a room. It's true. Yeah. Oftentimes. Well, depending on the person. but Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I mean, like just also looking at the difference between what we what we put online, how we represent ourselves on that way, too, not just when we walk in the door. You know, right? Because if they know me, they're like, "Oh, he's the guy that does those Chloe Seventy videos." That mm-hmm. is not our heterosexual on any stretch of the match. You know, no one is going to think, "Oh, is he?" Or you know, <laughs> you know. So I think it's also on us in the LGBTQ community to go. This is not okay. Our representation is not okay, and I don't think we have galvanized as a community mm. to do that. Whereas we people of color, it, yeah. and there, you know, it's like there is a galvanization there that it's like we need more Absolutely. representation. And Absolutely. fuck you all for not having anybody on the Academy Award list or whatever it is. You know, whether yeah, it's yeah. in the boardroom or whoever your people are, the representation is not there. And yeah. I, I wonder if this is like the last vestige of internalized homophobia, where it's. I'm fucking fighting for my right so that everybody before me knows that there is representation in every place I go to. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just like finding that space for that and also getting gay men to recognize their own internalized homophobia when they do prefer to see straight guys doing it. And then, and when they are afraid of, of gay people um, representing them, Mm. it's weird when I've had gay people say to me, like, you know, I had a guy say me one time, like, I used to watch your, you know, your films that you were in an outfest and I used to be really offended by what you did. And now I realize that, you know, I really like your work or so. And it was, it was, he was hmm. giving me a compliment, but I was like, wow, that's so interesting. It's not about me at all. It was like, you right. just didn't right. like seeing gay people walk in the door and now you do. Mm-hmm. And so it was just an interesting sort of thing that we have to unpack. Right. Yeah. You know, and I just like want to acknowledge huh. that. I am in communication with one of our listeners who lives in Algiers and he is terrified. Sure. He's terrified. He cannot be out. He goes to bed. He has nightmares because he is in a country where he can be beaten up in a heartbeat for his sexuality. Right. So we're in such a lucky place. I mean, it's like, it's, we are in the place of the privilege where we get to complain about shit like this. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And, and also, you know, we do it for, we, we also do it for them. So that hope that like, let's get that changed over there. But, you know, absolutely, you know, yeah. And that it does get better. Right. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's your friendly neighborhood producer, Jackie. We hope you're enjoying Ask Your Gay Uncle. If you'd like to ask a question for Tommy and Ben to answer on the podcast, leave us a message at 512-981-7332. Or you can email ask at askyourgayuncle.com. You can find us on Instagram at askyourgayuncle or Twitter at AYGU podcast. Thanks for listening. Before we completely move on from the straight actress playing gay roles thing, <laughs> I had one final follow-up question for, for you, Drew. You compared it to people of color calling out when, for example, Emma Stone plays a Hawaiian person in that sure, movie, yes. or like, you know, et cetera. And we've clearly gotten to a point where white people cannot play roles of color. Do you think Thank we God. will ever get to a point <laughs> where straight people cannot play LGBT roles? That, I think that is a, a much more complicated question, especially when you are dealing, you know, looking at the human experience. Um, sexuality is a lot muddier in terms of that. Mm -hmm. It was what I'm saying, you know, to use, a, you know, a fantastic actor, just as an example, I think he's incredible is Lucas Hedges, right? If y'all know who he is, you know, he's a young actor. He has played a lot of gay roles and beautifully, I thought really, really great. He's come out as, as bi, I believe he's bi, if I, you know, so now he was like, mm. not out. You know what I mean? It's a tricky thing because I think right. that so actor should be to able his to. Career. What's going to happen right. to his career now? Right. right. But also like, is he allowed to play gay roles before he comes out? Yes. I think, or, yeah. or, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I think it's a yeah, trickier yeah. thing when you're kind of dealing with people who are poly and bi and saying, I'm, you know, I fall in love with the person. Where do they, how can they play? So I'm like, well, you're queer. And that's in that sense. Welcome to the party. I, yeah. I, so I want you to help tell our stories. So, so it's nuanced. It sounds like you don't think we'll get to that point or you don't think we should. Right. On the other hand, John Travolta can fuck himself. John Travolta can go the fuck away. I never want to see him put on a dress and apologize for standing in the shoes of a divine. I mean, that was the most uh -huh. offensive thing ever to me. Yeah, yeah, so, you yeah. know, there are other things where you're just kind of going, ew. I, I do think it comes down to the person. I think it comes down to the, to the artist and looking yeah. at their work and saying, do, can they, do, can they stand in this space? It's just like when someone stands on stage and says something and you go, absolutely. And then the next person says the same thing. You're like, eh, ew. Uh, that's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's something around oppression there, right? That the reason why white people, I mean, there are a thousand reasons, but here's the simple breakdown, I believe, is the reason why white people can't play people of color is because they're not that. Right. And because those people have been oppressed. And so if we take that and put it on us, it's like, well, we have been oppressed and those people are not us, which is why as the oppressed person, we're the ones who get to have say about what we get to do or, or, or who gets to play us mm. and that it shouldn't be determined by the people of privilege, which is the heterosexual world, that they right. should not be able to tell us what we get to do. In fact, we're the ones who should be able to represent who we are and who gets to speak for us. Right. And in mm. this situation, who gets to play us? So if we follow you know, that logic, it would be, no, straight people don't get to play queer right. people. 
Or have the gay community vote every time a straight person is up for a gay role. <laughs> oh, that'll go great. That'll go really well. We, we, we are so great in a room together. <laughs> that could be a new reality too, show. I think it's such an interesting conversation because I think when, you know, when you're born, you know, and you're born and you're, and you're not white, you're told right away, mm-hmm. this is who you are. This is mm-hmm. what you are. You're part of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, same and your with sexuality gender. Same with and gender. gender. Yes. Right. But sexuality is a different because sexuality you might discover in your eighties, you know? And yeah. so there's that thing that I think it's like, it's self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So many people that come out, I know people that come out really late when everyone was like, come on. They're like, I genuinely didn't know until I turned 40 or whatever. And you're like, you got to allow people to have that journey. And we, and it's so easy for us when we come out to go, what's the big deal? Cause the fear of coming out is so much greater than the actual doing of it usually the action of it. And it's such a relief when you, when you just accept it and, and love yourself as a gay person, but you spend so much time afraid of it. But we forget that for a lot of people, it's not like I can't come out because of my career. For a lot of people, it's like, I genuinely don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to, I have to give a shout out to an incredible film, which is making its way on, on, in, um, film festivals and it'll be online soon. It's, it's uh, Ryan Spahn's film called Nora Highland and check it out. Everybody listening, what find this movie because it is to this conversation. It's it, he, he shot it on zoom and it's all conversations in casting and gay actors trying to play gay roles and trying to get representation in that. Hmm. Oh gosh, we could talk. We could just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Uh, but Drew, you prepared a gunkle of the week, multiple gunkles of the week for us. Yes. Well, I uh, they go together. One of them just turned seventy five, and that's John Waters. Mm. And my other gunkle is Divine. So, and you know, and I, you, you, it's hard to talk about one without talking about the other. Um, John Waters is is a filmmaker, an author, public speaker, icon. Um, from Baltimore, Maryland, who uh, has been making underground films since the late 60s. Um, he basically grew up like around the corner from Divine, who is one of our most revolutionary, maybe the most revolutionary drag queen of all time, for sure. Uh, groundbreaking, uh, incredible uh, icon. They grew up around the corner from each other in Baltimore. In the 60s. I didn't know that. Wow. And yeah, yeah. And they... Um, so they started making really experimental underground films on stolen camera. Like they stole the film from the camera store and um, divine was, was plus size and proudly overweight. And he was, was wanted to be Godzilla. I mean, John Waters said that on Mark Maron's podcast recently. It's like divine never wanted to be beautiful. He wanted to be Godzilla. They were um, really like, they were almost like, rioters with the films that they were with they, that they were making um and the first big one that they put out was a film called mondo trasho they had done some smaller ones before that and then a film called multiple maniacs but their real big hit was pink flamingos in the 70s mm-hmm. and if you've heard of that film if you know anything about it mm-hmm. you probably know it's the film where divine eats dog shit um that's the final scene but it's the whole movie is a competition for who can be the filthiest person alive 
And so Divine is a, in a battle with these people named Connie and Raymond Marble who live across <laughs> a, a Baltimore. And they're just competing with each other for who can be filthier. And Divine, of course, wins by the end. And she eats real dog shit that you see oh, all of it happen no. in one take. Oh. And it was, it was honestly like, who else can, you know, it was, it was, yeah. And it was in, it was screened in like basements of churches and he would screen it. He would take, he would literally carry the film around the country and just find a projector and put it up for people. So um, every film that he made got bigger and bigger because the one after that was Female Trouble, which, which is, is maybe my favorite of all of his films. I also love Serial Mom, which was, he did in the nineties, but mm -hmm. He got famous in the eighties um, because it was just this weird thing where, you know, his films were considered just the most underground, but in the eighties, he, he made hairspray, which if, as I've been teasing, if you know anything, if you've seen hairspray, you have John Waters to thank for that because he created that film um, that became obviously the musical that became the film musical. And um, then the TV, you know, all of that is from the mind of John Waters. And it was PG. So you have a filmmaker who made these, you know, literal shit-eating movies <laughs> to now making a PG movie. Mm. But it was about, it, it has so much, so much social justice on its mind. It's all oh, yeah. about integration. And, uh, and you know, and Tracy, it, the lead character in that, played by Ricky Lake, mm -hmm. is a plus-size girl who has a black boyfriend. And it's a musical and it's PG mm -hmm. in 1988. And John Waters has gone on the record many times as saying that was the most revolutionary thing I could do is make a PG movie. After you go that side, now hmm. let's, you know, let's sing and dance and let's make it available to, you know, um, to everyone to sort of, to sort of get this message. Hmm. And so he's made these films that I, they are screamingly funny. Yes. Disgusting. But also I think there is such a moral core to his films. I think the good people always win. The bad people lose. He is all about lifting up the outsider. His film Serial Mom, starring Kathleen Turner, who I yeah. will stand by the fact that she deserved an Oscar nomination for that performance. It's one of the best performances. I think she's incredible in that. Yeah. Wow. I need it's to a great that. movie. But it's about a, a bomb in suburbia who just starts killing people for not recycling, for taking her spot at the grocery store, for all the typical thing. That's what constitutes murder. And, and there's like a Stepford Wives feel to it, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. And and Beverly, uh, um, uh, Kathleen Turner's character, Beverly is is just a mom. She's real polite. Yeah. You know, um, she just she just kills when you do the wrong thing. You know, <laughs> um, it's just phenomenal. So I uh, I have had the pleasure of getting to interview him, and I was a babbling mess. I have John never Waters. been so yes, I've never been more starstruck in my life. Divine actually died like a week or two after Hairspray came out. Uh, he was only 42 when he died. But John Waters is still, he hasn't made a film in a long time. He's not really, doesn't even seem like he wants to. He's written amazing books. He goes on tours. He's constantly working. Um, but I will go to his, you know, everything he has to say. And it just continues to inspire me as an artist, as a gay person, as a human um, he's got such balanced views, his views now about liberals trying to ruin us now about like, he's like, conservatives have given up on me a long time ago, but we've gotten so liberal now, X, Y, and Z. Like he's very, he's just incredible to listen to mm. and he will continue to blow your mind. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So great.
Yeah. Thanks for thanks for highlighting them. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for letting me. I was like Carol Burnett and John Waters are my inspirations, but as a queer person, it's John Waters, you know, and Divine, who just also the thing too is that like when he talks about drag queens, especially then they were all pageant girls. They all wanted yeah. to pass and 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 to their credit, a lot of these were trans women who didn't have that language, didn't have that understanding, and they wanted to be women. And so when Divine came on the scene, the drag queens hated him. Yeah. They were like, what? You're making fun of us. And in a way, he kind of was. He's making fun of people, but he was a brilliant clown in, in one of our, one of the greatest clowns we've ever had, you know, and, and a terrific actor as well. So check out Divine. And Divine also played a lot of men in other films as well. So, yeah. Gunkles of the Week, John Waters and Divine. Yay. Thank you, Drew. Hey, Drew, thanks so much for coming on to the show. It's uh, Thank you for having me. I love this conversation. funny and you're smart and you're reflective. And no, Y'all are too. Thank you. Yeah, We'll put your Instagram and Twitter links and links to uh, Bright Colors and Bold Patterns and Happy Birthday, Doug, Broadway HD. We'll put that in the description. Oh, yeah, thank you. Everybody go check out Happy Birthday, Doug and Bright Colors and Bold Patterns. They're so beautiful and just like so nuanced and complicated. And Drew's talent just like glows. Oh, yeah. It's Shines. wonderful. Funny as fuck. Thanks, Drew. Thank y'all. Ask Your Gay Uncle is created by Tom Truss and Ben Palacios with production support by me, Jackie Anders. Album artwork by Seth Shellhouse. Theme song and musical interludes by Ben Palacios and Dan Reuter. Special thanks to Matt Marr and everyone who sent us questions. If you'd like to ask a question for Tommy and Ben to answer on the podcast, leave us a message at 512 512- 981-7332 or email ask at askyourgayuncle.com Find us on Facebook at Ask Your Gay Uncle Podcast More information at askyourgayuncle.com